You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Brandon, this is the second time I've tried this introduction, and... uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't do two takes. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name's Brandon. That's my co-host, Matthew Soma. I'm chilling in my new apartment. Hooray! I finally got moved in. I'm tired as hell. Moving in the July 95 degree heat is not particularly fun. And now I'm back to work and I just want to die. So there you go. We do have some hurricane stuff to talk about this week, albeit brief. But there has been some news going around around the NHL this week. Uh, a, a couple of interesting headlines. So we're definitely going to get into those a little bit. Although, again, there's not a ton to talk about in Hurricanes land. I guess we should start with uh, with Matthew Kachuk then, which was, I think, the biggest hockey move we've seen in years, man. Like that's the closest we've come to like an NBA blockbuster trade in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you don't see a lot of like big name player for big name player spot swaps. And I did see a tweet. Uh, it was from somebody on Kane's Twitter actually talking about how. Huberto for Kachuk was the first swap of a hundred point players since Wayne Gretzky, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I, I can't remember who it was, but it was, it was a long ass time ago. It's, it's just not something we see in the NHL very often, which well, definitely teams- obviously brings a lot of intrigue because there's a lot of things that go into a player getting a hundred point season in the NHL these days. I think unless you're somebody like Connor McDavid, right? Like Connor McDavid's obviously kind of head and shoulders above the league. You know, you got other guys in there like Dry Seidel and, you know, Austin Matthews that are kind of on that same tier, a little bit below McDavid, but still 100-point guys. But, like, this is one thing I thought was kind of interesting. As much as I love Matthew Kachuk and think he would have been a perfect acquisition for the Hurricanes, do we really think he's a 100-point player going forward? Like, I would be surprised if he's a consistent 100-point player. And Huberto kind of is in the same boat. I don't think either of those guys had hit 100 points until this year. And a lot of things have to go right. That was my point before in order for a player that maybe isn't really that kind of player to hit that level. So it'll be interesting to see how both how it plays out for both sides because they're both going to new teams. They're going to have to, you know, find chemistry with new players. And who knows how their seasons are going to unfold? You know, I'd be shocked if both those players end up with 100 points again this year. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, with in the case of Matthew Kachuk, you know, he's going from Elias Lindholm and I think I think it was Sean Monahan on his wing. It might have been somebody else. Hell, maybe it was Johnny Gaudreau. I, it, was that, 
It was okay. So he's going from Elias Lindholm and Johnny Gaudreau on his line to Alexander Barkov and insert player here. It really doesn't matter who you put with them. They're going to be great, you know? Right. Um, so with Kachuk, yeah, it's possible that he has a huge season because, I mean, let's be honest, Alexander Barkov is one of the best players in the league. Um, no longer underrated. I mean, let's let's just keep it real here. He's not underrated if everybody says he is. The same conversation we had with Slavin a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, funny you mentioned that. The Athletics podcast um, does like a most underappreciated American forward or American player thing for the like joke awards at the end of the year. And Brett Pesci stole the award this year from Jacob Slavin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Huberdon is going to a team where he's going to have Elias Lindholm on his wing, but without Johnny Gaudreau, that Flames team is looking different this year, for sure. And, uh... You know, that might be the craziest part of this trade to me, is I think both those teams are due for regression this year. Like, I don't think yeah, both well, those teams will be anywhere near as good as they were last year. The, the biggest question with Florida, obviously, is like, well, they just got rid of one of their best defensemen in Mackenzie Weger. And yes, he did turn the puck over a good bit, but you look at his stats and transition, and it's amazing what he was able to do on the back end this past year. He's a real um, defenseman all around. <laughs> and then you've got a defense with Aaron Ekblad and a bunch of guys. A bunch of third-pairing at best defensemen after him. Yeah, like Gustav Forsling is good, but not that good. Right. Um I think his Radko numbers are probably inflated. yeah, like, this is terrible. I think even Forsling's numbers are probably a little inflated by how good that team was last year. Yeah, and you you lost Mason Marchman. This Panthers team is going to be that team that like yeah, you might score five on us, but we're going to score six on you again, like they were last year. Because like, oh god, and they're coached by Paul Maurice, so it's going to be like, well, you'll score two, but we'll <laughs> score three. So, so my, my thing with the Panthers is they're going to be really good in the regular season. There's no question about that. The playoffs is still where I have that question mark. They're going to have to make another add on defense because there, yeah. there's no chance that defense core can win a playoff series, even one. Like May we interest the offense you in... would have to go absolutely nuts and the, their opponent would have to like basically do what the Hurricanes just did against the Rangers and completely fail to show up. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side, you've got the Flames, and the Pacific Division is still – you've got Edmonton. I think L.A. is probably a playoff team there, and you've got Calgary. The rest of the teams in the Pacific aren't great. I'm not going to lie. San Jose, Anaheim, and Arizona – well, Arizona's in the Central now, aren't they? Yeah. Wait, so you've got – I don't know. I don't know. you got I Vegas and Vegas is the weird one. I think, I think Calgary, at worst, is a wild card team this year still especially since they added a good defenseman in Uyghur. Yeah. Now they did, they did lose, you know, arguably two top line players this off season and replaced him and got one top line player back and a top four defenseman. So they're going to take a step back, but it's not going to be as bad as people are thinking it will be, you know? Yeah. I think they will be an okay, not great team. 
that makes the playoffs. That's probably that's probably about right for me as well. Yeah. Um, and you know what? That's fine. Like the the Flames, the biggest thing is now what do you do with the players that you have under contract? Like with the Jonathan Huberdos, who is Jonathan Huberdo is due for a massive pay raise. He's making under six million. Did you know that? I didn't, but yeah, that's so he's yeah, he's making 5.9 million. That's it. Um, so he he's due for a sizable pay pay raise. Mackenzie Weger, um, who is also due for a pay raise, is making 3.25, but that's really it. Um the Flames don't really have any major players to to sign uh, this year. It's the next year where they've got Elias Lindholm, Tyler Toffoli, um, Chris Tanev, Zadorov, Noah Hannafin, that kind of. So they could. It really doesn't have to be a rebuild. They could sign Huberto and Uyghur and still be a competitive team for at least another couple of years. You know. Yeah, and then it'll depend on what they do with Lindholm and Hannafin, obviously. But you know, that's that that's a thing where you'll have to cross that bridge when we get to the type deal. Right. I mean, and I know everybody wants to be like, "Who won this trade?" And this is a very, very hard one to answer. <laughs> like, you don't know. I, I think Calgary has a good chance of winning this trade if they can get those two guys to stay. I think they made the better, got the better haul here if both of those players stay. If they're only getting a year of, you know, let's say they get a year of Uyghur and then sign Huberdo, I think it's pretty much a push. They might have gotten a little bit better into the deal. But if both guys decide to walk, then this kind of stings for a player of Kachuk's caliber. And with, you know, Cole Schwint, likely a bottom six forward. We haven't even talked about the other two assets that they acquired in this trade, right? You know? Right. You've got you've got Cole Schwint. He's likely, you know, prob- more than likely like a fourth line guy at the NHL level, but that's still something. Um, right. <laughs> you're getting a first round pick in 2025. That kid is what in eighth grade? No, <laughs> 25. So he'd be born in uh, 2007. So he's 15 right now. <laughs> okay, that's not as bad. So he he's like a sophomore in high school. Yeah, they traded him for he's a like, 15 year old. That's what they did. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Like it's always funny, like seeing the OHL being like, you acquire him for like a twenty thirty six round pick, and I'm like, all right, you literally acquired like an eight year old, but like okay. <laughs> but yeah, so you don't know where Florida's gonna be at in three years, given how weird this Florida Panthers team has been under Bill Zito, man. Right. Now here's the here's the question I have for you. Is Florida the new Vegas? Um, no, because they just haven't had like total disregard for you know everything, the cap and picks and prospect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they've still got some young players. I mean, Anton Lindell, dude's really good. Yep, due for a pay raise yes, at he the is. end of that 2025 season. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh it's a good trade for both teams. I think people were expecting Calgary to get fleeced and they didn't. The reported centerpiece in the Canes offer was uh, 
Martin Natchez, and that was not even going to come close to Jonathan Huberdeau. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit different of a um, starting point there, I'd say. But, hey, good on the Canes for being in on them. Would have been nice if they'd uh, been able to find a way to pull that off, but it would have been tricky. It's nice to know that the Canes are at least involved in trade talks, you know? Yeah, and not sitting on their hands after acquiring Max Pacioretty and Brent Burns. Like, they're still looking for ways they can improve their team. So, right. it's interesting to know that they weren't just, like, kicking the tires. Like, they were one of the last teams in on him. I, I kind of want Andre Kasha to be, like, the best player that we acquired this offseason just <laughs> because we keep forgetting to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, it would be fun. I would be like, screw you guys. Like, 35 you know, goals. 30, 35 goals, 80 points. <laughs> Well, we do have a little bit of Hurricanes uh, news to talk about, so we're going to go ahead and move on to that. Um, obviously, just yesterday, uh, probably like four days ago, by the time you guys are hearing this, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Hurricanes did uh, avoid arbitration with restricted free agent defenseman Ethan Bear. They got him for one year and $2.2 million coming back. Um, initially, my thoughts were, I, you know, it, it, <laughs> He's a player that Rod Brindamore didn't seem to like to use. Uh, we talked a lot about how it, it was really a tough year for him with injuries and COVID. And it seemed like every time he got a little momentum and started to play well, something else crept up. And then he struggled for a pretty good stretch of time upon returning. And it got to the point where he just wasn't even in the lineup. But, you know, I, <clears throat> I think this presents some really interesting opportunities or options for the Hurricanes on the back end because, I mean, you've got Jalen Chatfield, you've got Ethan Bear, you've got, well, you had Joey Keene, no more Joey Keene, another little nugget to add into this. Uh, and then you've got Dylan Coglin. But obviously those are three right shot defensemen that are factoring in on that third pair. So is one of those guys going to be on their offside? Are they going to bury Jake Gardner's contract in the minors? What's going to happen here? It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that exactly plays out or how the Hurricanes are even going to, you know, get cap compliant at this point if they're going to bring back Martin Natchez. Because what do they have, like a million dollars in cap room left now? And I'm Yeah, they've got 1.8. Sure, yeah, you're not getting Natchez for that. Like, as much as he struggled last year by his standards, he was at least a three or $4 million player even last year, and you're still not probably going to get him at that exact rate. So there's a lot of uh, pieces to unpack to this puzzle. So what are your thoughts here, Matt? Um. It's a good deal. And getting Bear slightly under his qualifying offer is a nice piece of work by the Hurricanes. So they currently have $1.883 million in cap space left, which is not enough to sign Natchez. Um, Obviously, Natchez, you know, I think we projected him at probably between three and four, more than likely like three, three and a half million dollars on a bridge deal. So Gardner would more than likely have to be bought out in order for um, all the cap to work, because that saves the Hurricanes about $3 million this year. Yeah. Um, as opposed to burying them in the minors, which at maximum could save us like 1.1. So like buying out Gardner immediately would give us the cap space. We would need to sign Natchez and have a little bit left over. <sighs> the biggest question though is, if you buy out Jake Gardner, you have nobody on the left side that can realistically play in the NHL next year. 
Well, that's um, the interesting part to me. It's like, are they? I, I, I almost feel like that's still a move that they're going to try to make at some point is to add that left shot defenseman. The problem is there aren't any. There are no good left shot defensemen on the market. And like that we know about, but you know, Don's always kicking the tires on people that don't really make the headlines. Sure, but like the Kings, like for instance, they just signed William Waggison. Offer sheet Sandine. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, the funny thing is, like at the hurricane at the NHL level, the Hurricanes have too many right handed defensemen, and then in the minors, they have none right now. Uh, <laughs> They legitimately have zero. So they have Ronan Seeley, Kevin Fitzgerald, William Lagesson, and Maxime Lajoie. And Lajoie, uh, of those guys, Lajoie is probably the only one that could realistically play NHL games, but not a full season. Um, I'm hating on Seeley, bro. He's ready. Mm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, set unrealistic expectations here. Right, right. Of course, that's what this podcast does. Uh, <laughs> Then you've got David Ference and Griffin Man- Mandel on AHL deals. Both like left shot defensemen. Deal, I like yeah. that. Getting David Fa- – so here's the thing, man. <clears throat> David Ference was a top prospect at one point for Nashville. Right. Is he going to be that for the Hurricanes? Probably not, but it's still like a good bet. Like, you know, the Ivan Ladnia bit. Speaking of him, he just signed with the Wolves like a couple hours ago as we're recording this. Um, he's a player that, you know – uh, I believe he his contract was terminated by Minnesota. Didn't work out. Came to play for the Wolves last year. Did really well. David Ference is going to have that same opportunity with the Wolves this year. Yeah. Um, so here's it's just you've got zero right shot defensemen. So it's likely that one of Coughlin or Chatfield gets sent down at some point, which will give the Hurricanes a little bit more cap flexibility. Not much because I think both are making like roughly league minimum next year. And if we're being honest, and I'm sorry to the Canes fans that think Jalen Chatfield is like the savior of the organization, it's likely going to be Chatfield that gets sent down over Coglin. Yeah. Coglin's younger. He has a little bit more untapped potential. And you know what? No, it might not be Coglin that gets the permanent spot. It might be Chatfield. Point is, though, one of those two guys is going to get sent down no matter what. That'll help some cap, but, like, right now it's very interesting that the Hurricanes right now have no good left-handed defenseman if Gardner leaves in some way, shape, or form, and zero AHL right-handed defenseman unless we send one down. (laughs) It's just a very weird spot to be in not that handedness really matters but you know it's just kind of like something that makes you go, huh. like brenda moore really seems to like to have one of each which like, is why i'm almost inclined to think gardner's staying yeah um he, he's always kind of you know leaned that way but i mean let's be honest it's still pretty early in the summer like it's still july we've got the entire month of august we've got september you know camp starts in september but we've got at least a few weeks in september where they can still make little tweaks to the roster i would be pretty shocked if there well i mean obviously there's at least one coming because nature's isn't just gonna stay well uh, well i don't think he's just gonna stay at rfa i mean i don't know i guess technically he could and just end up not playing for a while this year and hold out like william nylander did or something 
but you know there's there's still some moves to come is the point i'm making and and we still could see a little bit of a shift. And again, we'll go back to the Kachuk thing. The Hurricanes were very, very deep in talks with him or with Calgary about him. So, you know, it, it's not like this team is sitting back and saying, well, we're done. We're good. We got this roster where we want it. They're still looking for not just depth pieces. They're still looking to make this team a cup contender even more than they already are. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Or even if we do just get to camp with things kind of how they are on the back end right now and, and see how that shakes out in camp and then preseason. So another brief hurricanes thing before we uh, go to the break, Ryan Morsofsky is reportedly going to be the next assistant coach in San Jose joining David Quinn's staff. Um, that is a huge loss for the hurricanes organization, man. I tweeted um, this earlier, man. It sucks that we're not going to see, like, Goonler get a full year with him. Ronan Seeley breaking into the AHL. I mean, Reese getting another year in, like, a prime role with him. Like, it, it was going to be really nice to see some of those youngsters that are now going to press from being, like, role players to, like, the top guys on the Wolves roster, likely anyway. And now they're – well, I mean, <laughs> they're still going to get that chance, obviously. And, and I have faith the Hurricanes are going to put another good body in there. Because, I mean, look, before Warzowski, it was Mike Volucci. Yeah, Hurricanes track record with putting AHL coaches in place has been very, very good. Well, it was for the year where it wasn't any time before then, but Volucci and Warsawski has been a nice uh, one-two punch for the past couple of years. Right. Before then, it was a little rough. That spans this entire regime. So until they prove me wrong, I'm going to put faith in them to put somebody down there that's going to develop these kids well and put them in position to succeed and develop into NHL players. So, um. Yeah, I, I hope that the Hurricanes will bring somebody in. Maybe they hire internally with um, guys like Dwyer and uh, Jeff Daniels. Uh, <laughs> Demote Jeff think, Daniels. I don't no, think I don't that's going to that, happen, actually. sadly. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but on the bright side, I mean, our good friend Stephen Lawrence is going to be back with Ryan Warsawski. I know he's mentioned how good oh, right. of a coach Ryan Warsawski is, so I'm sure he's thrilled. Why is San Jose poaching all our players? You guys interested? Well, I, don't, I wouldn't say poaching. Players uh, and <laughs> since they poaching. since they willingly traded a player to us for. You guys interested in Martin Natchez? You can have him for Timo Meyer. I'm sure Mike Greer would hang up the phone. Right, go home, Don. You're drunk. <laughs> all right, guys. Before we move on, we do have a few more things we're going to get to. But tracking the storm is a proud part of the hockey podcast network so we're going to take just a quick minute get away from DraftKings. the action never ends at DraftKings sportsbook especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before plus right now DraftKings sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to a thousand dollars that's right make your first bet up to a thousand dollars and if it doesn't win you'll get another shot to cash in you can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with the same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you catch our podcast for important details. And we're back. Christy Cray. That's what it sounded like on my end for you. Hey, baby. 
uh, man, I don't even know what to say. There's just been more shit coming from Hockey Canada lately. Um, obviously, we learned that this week Hockey Canada has paid four sexual assault claims for one player um, and hasn't thought at all to uh, maybe stop said player from committing sexual assault um, because they don't want to ruin his image or whatever like whatever term they use poor um, kid we don't want to ruin his life he just keeps sexually assaulting girls it's not that big of a deal which it's like for a lot of these men in charge probably wasn't that big of a deal for them they don't care to them they just see oh this is what i did when i was a kid so they're like oh it's cool like hockey canada also saying like well i don't think we're ever going to reach the finish line when it comes to diversity is basically saying we don't give a shit like diversity in sports is so important and like you've got a sport that is so predominantly white and it's so white that literally you can make jokes about how white it is you know and hockey canada's like no we're cool with that Let's keep it the way it is. It makes no sense. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is just the least self-aware organization I've ever seen. Um, and what, what's been really frustrating to see is, so Katie Strang and Rick Westhead, uh, I believe Katie's with The Athletic and Rick, I know, is with TSN. They've been the only reporters to really talk about this. And... TSN as a whole has kept very quiet about the whole thing outside of Rick Westhead. Which brings me to my question. Why haven't guys from TSN like Darren Dreger, Pierre Lebrun, why haven't those guys said anything about Hockey Canada whatsoever? Or take Sportsnet, for example, who published something, but it wasn't even like a hockey writer. It was like, it was like not an intern, but like not like a main sports writer for them. Why hasn't Elliot Friedman spoken out? Jeff Merrick, like none of the main big hockey writers have spoken out about this. Why? They're afraid of the blowback it might cause them basically. Yeah. Do they not want to lose the power that they've been given? Right. What the, why does this matter? Like, this is people's lives have been ruined by hockey Canada and you're sitting here not covering it, re- almost refusing to acknowledge it other than doing the, ba- not even the bare minimum. You're just retweeting a statement from hockey Canada, giving them a platform. That's all that I've seen any of these quote unquote insiders do with regards to the whole thing. Why? Stand up for what's right. Have a fucking spine. Seriously. Like, it's, it's past time. And thank God for Rick Westhead and Katie String because they're the only people doing this. I mean, it goes back to what we talked about. Like, it's just, it's, it's an inherent, like, problem at the root of hockey culture. Like, it's just, this is the problem with like just hoping things are going to change and the, why it's so hard to foresee it actually happening because it's at like every level of the system. You know what I mean? Like the players obviously have a pretty big role in it. The coaches, the management, they're all enablers. I mean, 
it goes back to you know peewee hockey like when you're a little 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 kid you've got you know the parents being a problem you've got the other kids being the problem the coaches like I can tell you stories about some of the other parents on some of my teams growing up. Jesus Christ, man. Good. I can't even – I mean, like, I had buddies that played hockey. Some of the shit they would say about some of their teammates and their parents, it's crazy. Yeah. Hockey Canada's like, as long as it's making us money, we really don't care what they do. Yeah. Sure, if we have to spend, you know, $2 million on sexual assault claims. Think about the revenue from those gold medals. Right, like – they're going to make a hell of a lot of money from the Holinka and the World Juniors and the U18s this year. They're hosting three major tournaments. We talked about I don't know how the IIHF doesn't take that away from them. I really don't. Uh, well, the IIHF does not care as long as they see dollar signs. Um, I, I want to be proved wrong. Bring it but, to the center of the hockey universe. Yes. Probably Greensboro, not. North Carolina <laughs> deserves Greensboro Coliseum. Yes. Yes. The center of the hockey universe. Uh, that's going to be a bit now on this show where it's just going to change to be a random place in North Carolina every week. Oh God. That's going to remind me a little bit too much of Chip Carey. Any of my Braves fans know him. Every time somebody hits a foul ball, he says, and a fan from little suburb in Georgia catches that foul ball, which he got, he stole the bit from his dad. Um, but his dad did it like once every made not even once a game. It was like once every week. And now Chip Carey does it every time there's a foul ball. And it's the most annoying thing I've ever heard in my life. That and him getting super excited about every fly ball that's hit about 210 feet to center field that the center fielder slowly jogs in and catches waist high. Anyway, enough of my Braves tangent. You don't want me to go there right now. After the way they're playing this week. Duck, North Carolina. The center of the <laughs> hockey universe. Duck, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, that is right, one of my it. favorite town names. Like the, yeah. the town of Duck. All right, folks. Well, because we are have no creativity. Oh, come on. <laughs> we, we rely should, on we should honestly guys. do a mailbag segment every week. I think <laughs> just like answering a couple questions might be kind of fun. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We we do ask. For you guys to give us a little inspiration for what to talk about. And your questions were a little underwhelming this week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we love you. Yeah, we, we really do. Uh, we are going to answer some fan questions before we get out of here. And we are going to do that right now. Question one, Matt Soma. At Kane Stats asks. Oh, excuse me. Kane Stats Influencer asks. Who is most likely to be the next Kane's influencer? Um, you know, I thought long and hard about this. And, you know, because he's such a sellout, I'm going to go with Alex O'Hari. Woo! Damn. My answer is um, I'm just here for a good time. I really don't want to answer this because the answer that I have is going to get me in trouble. All right. The Storm Seller asks us, do you see Nason having a shot at starting the season in Raleigh? I, yeah, I mean, I think the answer is yes, right? Like, Hurricane eh. brought him he back. He scored 50-some-odd goals last year. He's going to yeah. get a chance. I just don't know if he's actually going to make the team. But, I mean, if you really look at that fourth line, like, there might be a role to be had, especially if the Hurricanes would finally wise up and get rid of Mark Jordan Martinook. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not going to happen, so. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather have Nathan than Marty on that fourth line. I mean, that's with me, though. 
Yeah, well, you know. Jacobson Lacer asks, what do you think the finishing moves of the offseason should be? Deciding what to do with Natchez is going to be really interesting. I think <clears throat> with the moves the Wolves have made this week to bolster their roster, actually, and the Canes too, now that I think about it, the Canes are pretty much done at the AHL level. So maybe after Natchez and Lajoie, you've got a little more time to decide on what to do with Gardner. Other than that, you really don't have any cap space. You probably want to save it for the deadline. Yeah, um, I, I think between Natchez and figuring out that LD3 spot, I, I don't think you're going to see much more. You're going to sign Nazem Kadri for league minimum. <laughs> they have still been in on some pretty big names, so it's not like they're completely done, but I, I think the only real things you should expect are figuring out the third pair on defense and what to do with Natchez, like Matt said. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that John Klingberg hasn't signed, right? <clears throat> yeah, in Kadri. Yeah. All right, Luke Scholl asks, my dudes, talk to me about Matheos' role with the Wolves this coming season in light of his signing. Also, we spoke about pondering Blake Murray's development last time. How did he end up doing in Norfolk? So we'll answer those two questions first, and then he's got a third question here. Um, Matheos is likely a bottom sixer for the Wolves this year. I think he just kind of fills that checking role really nicely. I don't see him taking like a Stephen Lawrence type jump this year. I mean, it could happen. You never know. I just didn't see enough offensively from him last year to be like, wow, like he's going to be something. I just see like a good energy AHL player at this point. Nothing more. Right. New Spencer Smallman. Blake Murray was fine in Norfolk last year. It's hard to tell because Norfolk wasn't very good. And how much can you really take from that ECHL anyway? It's like, if he scores 100 points, you're like, okay, he did it in the ECHL. But... And if he doesn't score in the ECHL, you're like, he doesn't score in the ECHL, but Stephen Lawrence didn't really score in the ECHL. He's an NHL player now. Right. So it's, it's. I don't know if I can take much away from it. I, I, honest to God, did not really watch the Admirals all that much last year. Yeah. Just because the camera quality for a lot of ECHL ranks is not very good. Yeah. And I like Blake Murray. I think he's a very good goal scorer. He's at least going to have a chance to make the Wolves this year, but I really don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, and I don't even know what his role with the team's going to be like, to be completely honest with you. So we'll just have to see. And then 20 year old and he got a year of experience playing professional hockey. So yeah. it's not and, like a bad thing. This year is going to probably be a lot more telling. Yeah. And then Luke's last question is, crash course on Stromwall for those who aren't as in tune for the KHL. Uh, he scored a lot of goals. I remember him being one of the top European free agents a while back where, like, he was a good offensive producer, but his skating was one of the things that a lot of scouts had questions, or, like, a lot of the public scouts had questions about. Um. He's more than likely just another solid AHL depth piece that could play NHL games. Or who knows? He, he may end up being a fourth-line player for the Kings next year. You never know. Eric asked... Malty Stromwell? Stromwell? Yeah. Pretty cool name. I'll take yeah, it. Who, his name Hurricanes... to Metal Stormwall. <laughs> the Hurricanes been stacking up on those since the draft, man. I mean, Gleb Trakozov, Cruz, Lucius. Cruz, I mean, they're, Lucius, they're killing it yeah. Really killing it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, prospects you expect to shine with the Wolves this upcoming season, asks Eric. 
I, I, I answered this on Twitter. Uh, I was gonna say I said all of them are shining stars. <laughs> I don't play uh, favorites of my childs. I, I do play favorites. I'm not gonna lie. Pyotr Kochekov is gonna have a great year. Um, Jameson Reese. Other than that, I, I do think Jamison Reese is going to have a really solid year. I'm hoping this is the year that uh, Ryan Suzuki finally breaks out. Um, He's on the ice, you mean? I mean, that's always... Well, that, that too. Uh, if you just stay healthy, I feel like I'll put it together. But I'm, I'm expecting Vasily Ponomaryov to have a really big year along with Alexander Pashin. I think those I'm are the two that I'm... Passion. Yeah. Under the radar prospect is definitely like a... Alexander Passion, Panamarev, Reese, even Gundler, I think, could have a really big year. And uh, After he got his feet wet a little bit at the end of last year, I think he could definitely settle in and have a big year. Yeah. He's the kind of player that can definitely put up numbers in the AHL. Agreed. Bailey Curtis asks, it seems like we're a bit loaded on defensemen, especially right-handed D right now. What moves do you see us making with the extras? We already kind of hinted at this uh, earlier. More than likely, one of Chatfield or Coglin gets sent down. Um, just to give the Canes a little bit of extra cap room. I, I think there's a chance Chatfield stays up as the seventh D, but like you said, the cap may play, play into that. So maybe they would like like. I'm sure they would like to keep seven defensemen, but they might have to send them down with their cap situation. For what it's worth, Chatfield and Coglin have identical cap hits, so it doesn't really matter who you send down. Thing is, hey. Coglin's two years younger. Swap back and forth. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think you can. Both players can go through waivers. Oh, never mind. You know what? It may come down to if both players have even camps. It may come down to which player, like the Canes, are more convinced would pass through waivers than the other. Yeah. In my opinion, that's Chatfield because it he's twenty six and is yeah. under contract for two more or for another year after this one. Yep. That's just me. Matt at Brockles and Bear asks, "Who leaves on V?" Kind of in a similar vein, but does anybody leave Gardner? <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question, if we're being honest. Uh... The, the biggest question is, will Gardner even pass his physical? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And the next question he asks is, what is a good nature steal? Again, we kind of said, like, in the one to two year, three, 3.5 million range, I think is a really good deal for him. A good Natchez deal is Martin Natchez for Matt Kachuk. Facts. I'm sorry. You're not wrong. <laughs> he's out of line, but he's right. Uh, and then he asks, and rank the most likely Wolves to make the team out of camp or at first injury. Well, Drury's already on the team. Yeah, Drury is absolutely an NHL player. Uh and then I would go... Chatfield or Nason next. Chatfield, Nason, in like the same tier of where they might make the team, but it's just as likely they get sent down. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Kochekov's absolutely coming up if there's an injury. Uh, this is a good bet when you're starting tandem. This is Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ronta. And then, you know what? I'm also going to go with... Vasily Panamarev and Max Lajoie. Interesting. One, I would like one, to see one for each Panamarev. position. Yeah, I feel like Panamarev is a pro-ready player. Yeah, he does it all. He's he's a very Brendan Moore kind of player too. A lot like Jack Curry is. Uh, right. Next is Kevin Baker asks, "What type of impact do you see Max Pacioretty bringing this season?" 
comparable oh. players that the Canes have had in the past. Uh, <coughs> have the Canes had a player like Max Pacioretty? Ever? I mean, like, prime at the top of it. I know, I don't even like that comparison. I don't know, man. Not really. He's I was going to say, like, 2 215 left winger. I was going to say prime top of his game, Eric Cole, but even Eric Ooh. Cole was different. Like, he wasn't a pure goal scorer, really, in the same vein that Pacioretty is. What is, the, like, the last, like, pure, like, non, like, before Jeff Skinner, who was the pure goal scorer that the Canes had? Eric Stahl. Mm. Even he's not, like, a pure goal scorer. Yeah. He's a finisher. He could put the puck in the net. Right. He's not a sniper, you know? No. No, he, he did his damage by having that long reach and being good around the net, using his size pretty well. Yeah, so for me, this is... I don't think Canes have ever had a player like Max Pacioretty in the past. Yeah, not like, really. No. Goal scoring talent wise, like yeah, you could argue like a Jeff Skinner type, but Jeff Skinner's like prime when he was yeah. like scoring in bunches for the Hurricanes. But really, not a, a player that the Canes have had, which is why they were so bad for so long. <laughs> right. One of the many reasons. Let me let me clarify. There was it was not just that one reason. Uh, but I see him, if he stays healthy, at least 30 goals and 60-some-odd points. With Trocek and Nino gone... Oh, this is from Blake Morgan, sorry. With Trocek gone and even Nino, do you think the team has an agitator to get under the opponent's skin in the lineup anymore? And do you think it's important to have? Um, I don't think Nino was a huge agitator. I think Trocek... Oh, yeah, he was. How many scuffles did he really get into, though? Like, so here, here are the players on our team that I think you got Svech. Svech could be an agitator. Jarvis is always in it. Jack Drury. Yeah. You're gonna have Yasperi Kakaniemi. Um, Brett Pesci. Pesci, Pesci, lo- Pesci yeah. loves him a scrum man. Yeah. Uh. Brent Burns, you know, I was actually watching a, a Burns Pacioretty. I was watching Brent Burns lay people out the other day. He doesn't lay the hammer down often, but when he does, holy shit. He's <laughs> like, a big ass dude. He's what, 6'4? He like he he's 6'6, 230. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude's a like, dude. I mean, yeah, it's going to be. It's a lot like. It's a lot like Slavin. Like, he doesn't really do it that much because he's so freaking good he doesn't have to. But every time Sve- or, uh, every time Slavin lays somebody, or, like, lays the body at all, it's a massacre. Yeah. Like, he laid Ovechkin out. It, it still blows my mind. Jacob Slavin decked Ovechkin. Well, and also, Jalen Chatfield, if he makes the team. Chatfield, definitely. That's a guy that gets involved in the scrum. Like, it's not, it, it's important in a certain sense to be able to get under your opponent's skin and force them to somebody take penalties for your players yeah well it's, here's the thing if you can be an agitator like for instance you remember warren fogel being really good at drawing penalties because yeah, he was really frustrating to play against <laughs> right he wasn't good he was just frustrating he was annoying <clears throat> right he, he was good at drawing penalties now he took as many penalties as he drew True. but let's let's just focus on the drawing penalties here <laughs> So, like, if you've got a player that can get you on the power play because of how irritating they are to play against. Oh, no, here's a perfect example. 2019 Eastern Conference Finals. 
Brad Marchand getting under Justin Williams' skin. Yeah. Justin Williams probably took, I think, 12 penalties that, that in that four-game series. Like, just a rough estimate. Yeah. And... Some of them were bullshit, in fairness, but... Listen, know. the fact of the matter is, Brad Marchand was living rent-free in his head. Like, yeah, he was. There is some value to that, and with Burns and Pacioretty now, the Canes' power play is much more deadly. Yeah. That being said... It's also important to have players who are agitators but smart about it. Perfect example again. Tony D'Angelo always taking a penalty when he doesn't have to. Right. Or Trocek always taking a penalty when he doesn't have to. Or Ian Cole always taking a penalty when he doesn't have to, among other things that we won't get into on this podcast. Careful. Anyways... Yeah, it's important to have an agitator, but I think the teams are fine now without the two players that you mentioned. You know, I had somebody come into my work yesterday, and somehow or another I got to talking about, like, the Hurricanes and whatnot. And they didn't really say much until as they were walking out the door, he turned to me and was like, just don't know what they're going to do without their sideline reporter, (laughs) and then walked out. And I was like... That was the weirdest shit I've ever seen in my life. I, what, I, I mean, whatever, dude. Somebody tagged me in, like, the most clickbait conspiracy theory-looking-ass video about that whole situation. And I don't, think I've, I don't <laughs> think I've met an account with a block faster than that. <laughs> it was cringy, man. That whole situation still makes me cringe. And that's all that we will talk about about that situation the last one is from uh, at 910 underscore hooligan do you think Patches was the backup plan for when the Marchment deal fell through or do you think the original plan was to get Marchment and Patches I don't think there's any correlation there Uh, maybe I mean I guess Um... I think the Canes ideally were like yeah let's try and get Patches and Marchment when Marchment didn't go through, maybe the Canes were like, all right, like it's time to be serious. Well, I don't even want to say that because they literally got them for nothing. Uh, right. And see, I, I feel like there's <coughs> a case to be made that you get Pacioretty, okay, he's in your top six. You get Marchment, all right, he's on Jordan Stahl's wing. That's still frustrating to think about because the line of Mason, Marchment, Jordan Stahl, and Jesper Foss would have been so much fun. Yeah, it would have been as good, if not better, than Nino Stahl Foss. No, Maybe Drury Stallfast. I don't think Drury's playing wing, man. I mean, I guess there's a chance, but I, I just don't see him playing on the wing. I'm stroking my imaginary beard off camera here. He's not stroking anything off camera. He's stroking it right in front of the fucking... Listen, <laughs> you be nice to me, okay? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that the fact that Marchman did not go through, maybe the Canes were like, all right, well... Andre Kasha is still available. Let's go get him type thing. You know, like I think <clears throat> with the dollar amount that the Hurricanes were looking at for Marshman, obviously it wouldn't have made Andre Kasha a possibility. So then they were like, okay, well, we've got Pacioretty now. We've got Burns. Those were our two big needs, right? Let's get Andre Kasha. 
at a super cost-controlled deal. He's more than likely a middle sixer for us. Let's see what happens, right? So that's what I think realistically was the, quote, backup plan, you know? Right. Now, it would have been nice to have Marchman, but, you know, it's fine. Whatever. Brandon, I think that's all the questions we got this week. There's <sighs> a lot. This was a, I mean, there's, there's really not a whole lot to talk about in Kane's land right now. We've reached kind of the boring part of the offseason, haven't we? Well, so it's actually kind of funny that you mention it. So on Sunday, the Halinka Gretzky Cup starts, which is obviously fun for draft nerds like myself to get a look at the upcoming class. Then I think August 9th is when the World Juniors starts. So really don't have a ton of Canes prospects at this one because <clears throat> Morrow um, is out. I want to say Sealy should be playing. Um, we should also have – we definitely have Himasalmi, Koivinen, Nystrom, Kwap. Since Rush is not playing, I really don't know who else. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, still like a decent contingent there. So that's some hockey. Champions Hockey League starts. We've got a few prospects playing that September. So like there is hockey to be had this upcoming month. And <clears throat> even though the World Juniors is going to be missing a lot of like the premier talent, it's still going to be like decent hockey and fun in August. I was waiting for a response and then you like never responded. So I was like, okay, what do I say now? Yeah, there's there's going to be hockey this upcoming month. Uh, so if the Canes don't make any more moves, it's fine. I mean, they're obviously going to try and get Natchez done as quickly as possible. And yeah. But as always, folks, thanks for listening. We hope you are enjoying your summer or if you're a working person like me, enjoying your weekends. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 